0: Hello and welcome to the River Audio Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We believe God has something unique to say to you and our hope is that you feel his love stronger today than ever before. Enjoy the message. If you got your Bibles, go with me to 1 John chapter 4. In verse 4, I feel like we're getting ready to have church today. 1 John 4 and verse 4. Popular passage. They are blowing up the River Worship Band message board. I'm getting all the notifications. Quit talking. I see you. I know you're talking in church. Oh, it is. Oh, I'm sorry. Carry on. Carry, carry on. <laughs> First John chapter four in verse four. You are of God, little children, and you have overcome them. I may should have to told you in the last few verses. They're talking about enemies. They're talking about people who are. Either possessed or under heavy influence of demon spirits. John is talking about the ways that the enemy comes against the believer. And nine times out of 10, he does it through a human. I'll say 99 times out of 100. Almost everything God does, he does through people, and almost everything the devil does, he does through people. You are of God, little children. And you have overcome them. Have. Have. That's powerful. Have overcome them. Yeah, yeah. Jesus doesn't have any fighting left to do with the devil. He whipped him. Jesus whipped him 2,000 years ago with two wooden beams. In three great big square Roman nails. And Jesus, with his own blood, he destroyed all of the enemy's power. And now we're trying to fight an old lion devil. You are of God, little children. You have overcome them. You have overcome them. And here's why. Because greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. The one on the inside of you is bigger than the one coming at you from outside of you. We better pray real quick over this verse. Pray with me. Father, thank you so much for today. And thank you so much while I spill my water and pray. And thank you so much for this word. And God, I want to go ahead and thank you in advance for what is getting ready to happen in this house this morning. Thank you for what you're getting ready to do inside of hearts, and inside of minds. I believe that lives are going to be totally transformed before we leave here. Help me, fill me, take over my mind and my thoughts and my words, and give us your heart today. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. You are of God, little children, and you have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Somebody say, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Now, this time we're going to say it again, but this time think about the words. Greater is he that's in me than he. That is in the world. Isn't it amazing to think that the God of the universe, that the creator of all existence lives in you? The hope of glory, Christ in me. And now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond what we ask, think, or even imagine according to the power that worketh in us. God is in you If you are born again, if you have received him, if you have placed faith in the sacrifice of Calvary, God. Listen, you could not call and get an appointment with the White House today. But you can call and get an appointment with God. He's on the main line. Call him up and tell him what you want. He is closer than thought. Jesus is living inside of you. He's in you. Now, I want to ask a question that I think I know the answer to. Anybody got any problems? (laughs) Anybody have any trials? Anybody have any adversity? Anybody have any tragedy? Anybody have any trauma? Anybody have any loss? Anybody have any lack? Does anybody have any confusion? This is what I've come to tell you today. And I want you to realize this. Every time that God calls you up, the enemy will try to pull you down. Every time. You need to hear this or you're going to be caught off guard. You need to hear this or you're going to get in a situation and you're going to think that it's weird when it's really not weird. It's really common, and it's really exactly what's going to happen to every person that's moving in any forward direction. And it is this, that every time God calls you up, the enemy is trying to pull you down. Can I get a witness on that? Every time that God calls you one way, The devil will try to distract you another. Somebody say distraction. Distraction. I want to tell you the number one thing that the enemy uses is distraction. He does not show up looking like the devil. What he does do is he shows up looking like urgency. Stay on track. Stay on track. Can I tell you there is a huge difference. When I heard this years ago, I thought... What? There is a huge difference between importance and urgency. Because not everything that is urgent is important. You can be dealing with a family issue in your home that is very important. The phone starts ringing, and it rings and it rings and ultimately you will walk away from what's important to respond to what's urgent only to find out that the one on the other end didn't really want anything or it was a spam call or a pre-recorded message do you hear me and you gave up what was important for what was urgent. But what is urgent is not always important. It's not always important. Great missionary to uh, Africa, John Garlock. If you've never studied John Garlock, do it. John Garlock wrote the great... He's a long time gone now, Brother Garlock. He wrote the book called... It's a Christian classic. The book is called Before You Kill Us and Eat Us. Because Brother Garlock and his team went into an area, one of the most unevangelized areas of the world, with one of the most violent cannibalistic tribes in the world. And John Garlock showed up, and they got ready to do what they had done with visitors in the past, which is to kill you and eat you. And Brother Garlock, I don't remember how it happened with interpretation or whatever, but Brother Garlock said to them, before you kill us and eat us. They were surprised at his greeting, so they waited and he shared the gospel. And they got saved. And he spent years and years and years in that area and going back to that area. And they begin to preach the gospel. Brother Garlock knew something about what was important. This is not a pushover, you know. I was very blessed and fortunate to spend some time with his wife, Ruth Ann Garlock, and got to sit and talk with her one-on-one. Brother Garlock, uh, one of his most famous messages, and you can probably find him saying this a lot better than I will, but he was talking about importance and urgency, and he had taken his family on vacation. And it was he and Ruth Ann and his girls, and they're traveling down the highway and going from point A to point B, and as you do, you look for things along the way that might be interesting. A, a, a neat place to stop, use the restroom, get something neat, and maybe an attraction. And they had been on the road for a while, and they saw a sign for a real preserved ghost town, an old Western ghost town. And the town was sitting there just just like it had. I mean, it had been kept, but you could go and tour this ghost town. And so they stopped, and they then went to the little you know guest center, and they, they gave them a pamphlet. And they wanted to see all these buildings and go in, see the old saloon and see the old church and the little theater and all all these things that were there. So they're walking along. And they had only been in about the first building and they came out and they went down the steps. All dirt roads, just like it was. You know, a dirt road down the main street of this ghost town. And Brother Garlock saw something Shiny. He stopped, and he picked up a BB, just a little BB, like out of a BB gun. Well, about the time he did, he saw another one, and he picked it up, and he saw another one. He crawled over, and he picked it up, and there was another, and another and every time he would pick up a shiny BB, he would see another shiny BB. And he keeps picking them up, picking them up, putting them in his hand. He said, All of a sudden, he said, I realized I didn't know where my family was. He said, And I looked up. He said, My family was way down at the end. He said, And I looked at my watch, and he said, Over 40 minutes had passed. He said, my family had toured this entire ghost town and seen the sights, and it was time to get back on the road. He said, you know what I had? Handful of BBs. He said, it was shiny, so it caught my attention, and I began to give my attention to these little shiny BBs. He said, in one led me to another, led me to another, led me to another, led me to another, led me to another. He said, in the end of it, he said, I had wasted 45 minutes of time with my family on vacation and all I had was a handful of worthless BBs. There's a difference between what is important and what is urgent. The number one thing the enemy uses to keep you from your destination is distraction. Using things that don't even matter. Just a phone call from somebody that likes to yap a little too long. Just somebody showing up at the wrong time with the wrong message. Just just some responsibility showing up that's not your responsibility. And you say, well, I guess... And now you have wasted the trip with your family, and all you've got is a handful of worthless BBs. Why? Because they were shiny. Why? Because they called out and demanded your attention, and you gave it. When you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to something else. Choose your best yes. I'd love to. Can I do that study with you? Every time God calls you one way, the devil will try to distract you another. Every time the Holy Spirit gives you purpose, the world will give you problems. Every stinking time, every time you get a revelation from God. And man, we are full of fire and we're living in the glory. Man, I've got it now. I've realized it. I've rounded the key. I've figured it out. I hold the final key to the final lock and now I live in victory. I feel great today. And then (laughs) the thing that always without fail follows up victory is a problem. You always say, I'm almost over the hump. When this happens, I will finally be to the place in my life where I will have enough time, have enough money. This will be paid off. Can I let you in on a little secret? When you get over that hump, there is a surprise waiting for you. Because you are not able to plan for what you did not know was coming. But it's coming. It's coming. Every time it's coming. God calls you up, the enemy pulls you down. God calls you one way, the devil distracts you another, the Holy Spirit gives you a purpose and a call and the world starts giving you problems. But through it all, the word of God still says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. This is what you have to understand. First of all, you have to be aware of the trick. You have to be aware of that deception. You have to become conscious. You have to become intentional about it. So the first thing you have to do is have the veil pulled back, and that's what we're doing right now. And the second thing that you have to know is the one that is calling you up is bigger than the one that's trying to pull you down. Because many times we say, how can I rise above this? Well, in one sense, it's very easy. The one pulling you up is stronger than the one pulling you down. Something great was happening. I was feeling so awesome. God was doing this and this. And then this, if this wouldn't have happened, well, it did happen. And more is going to happen. But this is still stronger. God is still greater. The one carrying you forward is bigger than the one that's trying to hold you back. Listen. Listen. I'm so glad that the kids are in here for this one because I want the kids to hear this and know it now. People seem to think that the devil is God's counterpart. People think that the devil, that it's like this. Everything that God is to the good, the devil is to the bad. Like God and the devil are the two superpowers on opposing sides. God is the great power over here for good. And then the devil is the extreme opposite superpower over here. People think that God and the devil are like this. The devil is no superpower The devil is not the other great superpower on the other side. There is no other great superpower on the other side. I am the I am. It's all God and only God. There is no other. There's none beside him. There's none over him. And God will always be God all by himself. It's God. God is the superpower. The devil is not a superpower. The devil is a created being. God made him. God made that being just like God made everything else that exists. The devil is just one being of billions that God made. The devil, he was an angel. God created an angel and the angel rebelled against God. He's just one angel. He's just one created being. He rebelled against God and he wants to be worshiped Instead of God. So while God holds all the power in all of the universe, the devil just tries to get anybody he can fool to follow him and calls it his kingdom. And calls it his kingdom. The devil does not have God's kind of power. The devil is not, the devil's not even a mind reader. That ought to help somebody. The devil cannot read minds. He cannot read thoughts. The devil cannot tell the future. The devil does not have any of the stuff. He doesn't have it. Only God has it. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to him that is lost... In whom, the lowercase g, God of this world, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The devil's got one thing, deception. He's got one thing, he's got lies. The devil wants to fool you into thinking he has power that he doesn't have. He gets you to destroy yourself, and then you give him the credit, Like he did it. The devil cannot come and destroy you. Only you can destroy you. God could, but he's not going to. Only you can destroy you. But the devil deceives. The devil does not want anyone to know how powerless he is. So he tries to hide the truth. He tries to hide the truth. I'm going to read you a couple verses here. If you have never read this, I'm about to drop a bomb on you. Listen, Isaiah 14, 16 uh, 16 through 17. This is talking about the work of the enemy. Now, he usually works through people, but this is a general thing about his work in him, in him. They that see thee, they that see the devil, if anybody ever sees him, They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee. What's it mean to narrowly look upon? Sydney got it. It means this. It means if anybody sees this joker, they're going to go like that. They're going to narrowly look at him. I didn't mean to look at Scott looking at the devil. Sorry, Scott. I look over this way. They say, the Bible says, if you see him, you're going to go, what? What? Saying, is this the man that made the earth tremble? Is this the one that shook kingdoms? That made the world as a wilderness? This one? Is this the one that destroyed the cities and it did not open the house of his prisoners? This thing, this scrawny little thing, this did all of that? Yeah. This powerless liar. A liar. People who don't have control over you hold you in control because you believe them. You believe that. Thank you. You believe their lie. You believe their manipulation. You believe them. What am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you that in this life, Christian, child of God, You can look at whatever is against you and say, My daddy's bigger than your daddy. Because he ain't got the stuff. He ain't got the goods greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world you might have a problem today but while you're busy looking at the problem you have forgotten to look at your promise and don't you have one do you have a calling do you have a promise do you have his presence do you have his protection do you have something in his will i've come to tell you today that promise is greater than the problem the promise is greater than the problem somebody say my promise promise. is greater greater than my problem God called the children of Israel into the promised land that was quite literal it was a piece of land and still is that is promised to the descendants of Israel, to Israel and all of his family and all of his children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. God called the children of Israel into the promised land. And so they entered in, minus Moses. Spoiler alert. They entered in when God called them into the promised land. Now listen, there are so many parallels in our life to promised land, okay? Okay. But here is the picture. They have been in slavery. They have been in bondage to Egypt. That's a picture of the enemy being their father uh, before they were redeemed, before they were liberated. All right, so Egypt is a picture of sin. Egypt is a picture of before we come to Christ. So Moses, a picture of a preacher, he comes with the word that God wants to set them free. And then they go to the Red Sea, symbolic of our sins that kept us there, though our sin be as crimson. They go to the Red Sea, and so the preacher gives them the word of deliverance, and then preacher Moses, he raises a wooden staff. That's a picture of the cross of Christ being raised up. And the moment that he raises the wooden staff, the waters of the Red Sea... Sin, the impossible thing hold, holding you there, are parted, and they walked over on dry ground. You see, you could not save yourself. You were a sinner, lost and undone, without God and His Son. But He reached down His hand for you. You were in Egypt. You were lost in sin, but you heard the word of God. You decided to follow Moses. You looked at Jesus Christ raised up on the cross. He made the way, and you went through the Red Sea on dry ground. And now you're not under anymore. You are saved, and so. It's a picture of salvation So they get saved But now they're wandering around in wilderness And I can tell you that this is true About most people that get saved They think that when they get saved All of their problems are over Well now they are running around in a wilderness Not a clue what's going on They're just not under Pharaoh anymore Come on. And they've got to figure everything out as they go. They've got to figure out, uh, you know, where to live and how to build and how to eat and all of these things. So welcome to your salvation experience. But God had promised them the promised land. Now, you'll also remember, this is a freebie, they wandered around for 40 years in a circle before being able to inhabit the promised land. At that whole time circling around, they were never more than 10 miles <laughs> from the promise can you imagine i guess some of us can because some of us have been wandering around in a wilderness for 40 years and we are always baby steps away from the promise baby steps away from the promise so god called them into the promised land but when he called them there god already knew that the promised land was full of problems There were people in their promised land. There were giants in their promised land. There were all kinds of obstacles and all kinds of hurdles and all kinds of enemies and all kinds of opposition and people and things that wanted to kill them. And that's where God called them. God called them into a place where stuff wanted them dead. Thanks a lot, God. God called them into a place that had problems. You see, this confuses us so bad. God did not say, oh, well, there are problems in that land, so I won't give it to you. I'll leave you over here. No! This is what God said. God said, this is your land. We are going right into the problems but I'm going with you. We're going to face it, but we're going to face it together. We're going to deal with the problems. We're going to destroy the problem, but come hell or high water, I'm going to get you this promise. We're so confused. We're so confused by this type of thing. We have to remember that our promise is greater than our problems. We think that if God calls us into something then it should be problem-free. But it just doesn't work that way. But listen, the only thing that can prevent the promises of God in your life is if you decide to not go where there are problems. The only thing that can prevent the promise in your life is if you decide to not go in because of problems. God didn't do it, you did it. God did not withhold it, you didn't go into it because you said, I don't want to deal with what comes with it. You wanted the promise without the problem. But the promise only exists in the problem. It's the only way to get to it. There's no other way. There's no other way. You're the only one that can prevent the promises of God in your life. Marriage has problems. Parenting has problems. But we keep parenting. Getting an education has problems. What are you going to do? Not get what? Going to church has problems. So what are you going to do? Not go? Probably. Probably. Pastoring a church has problems. What am I going to do? Not pastor? (laughs) You don't know how many times. You don't know how many times. I'll tell you what. Several, several years ago, I had decided I was done. I decided I was done. And I said, what's that? Oh, yes. (laughs) I told the Lord. I said, I said, I can't stand this. I said, you make me pastor this church. I said, and it comes with... All this. I said, and I have to do this, and I have to go through this, and I have to da 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 -da." And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. God said this to me. He said, okay. He said, you're free. He said, you don't have to do it. You can go. It doesn't change anything between you and me. You're free. Go. I said, Really? Yeah, go. I said, oh, Okay. And I sat there for a minute. I said, "Well, I said if I I said if I'm not doing that, I, if I go to some other church and I sit and listen to somebody else, I said I'm going to I'm going to sit there and think they're doing it wrong." I said, and I'm going to think, oh, they should have said this. I said, and I'm going to want to say, well, they should have this in their church and this and that. I said, I'm not going to be able to sit there quiet. I said, and then I won't be like going and praying with these people and stuff. And he's not saying anything. And I'm just having this debate with myself now at this point. I said, well, God, I don't, I don't want to not do that. I said, I don't wanna, I don't wanna leave. I don't I don't wanna not pastor. I don't want I said I, I said, I love it. I said, I love pastoring. I love praying with the people. I love preaching. He said, exactly. I, said, I didn't make you do this. You do not have to do this. I never told you, go do this. This was in your heart. You had a burden for souls. You had a burden for the word. You had a burden for people. You wanted to pray with people. You did, I didn't make you do, you did it. I said, yeah, 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 I want to do this. God, this is what I want to do. How many times? How many times do we act like God put me in this situation? God made me do this. And God, and God said, You're free. Listen, it has problems. Owning a business has problems. What are you gonna do? Shut it down, maybe? Working for somebody else has problems. What are you gonna do? Open a business? A guy told me a few years ago, he said, I got sick and tired of working 40 hours a week for some idiot. He said, so now I started my own business. He said, and I work 80 hours a week, and I'm the idiot. <laughs> Everything has problems, but we have to remember the goal behind our doing. What is the goal behind your doing? What is the goal behind whatever it is that you're doing? We have to remember why we are here. We have to remember who placed us here, who is guiding our our steps and ordering our steps. We have to remember what God called us to. We have to remember his promises. The only one that can defeat you is you. The devil does not have the power to take you out, or he would have already. That's why he always tries to get you to do it. Every new promotion comes with new problems. We ask God for the promotion, but then we act surprised by the problems. If you think you're gonna be promoted without problems, you're crazy. It's part of the package. It comes with, if you want promotion, it comes with problems. It comes with responsibility. It comes with troubleshooting. And it comes with people not liking you because you got the promotion. Doing what they could not have done anyway. They don't really want the promotion. They want the position. Growth and promotion come with all sorts of things to figure out. All sorts of things to learn. All sorts of things to work through. And growth and promotion always comes with adversity. Listen, do you want more of God in your life? The anointing attracts adversity. You walking in the presence and the power of God attracts stuff to come against you. The more you yield to God and his kingdom, the greater the threat you are to the enemy's plan. And if you think he's going to sit by idly and not show up to try to stop you, you've got another thing coming. Because the devil outside of you hates Jesus inside of you. And if you start to overflow and share Jesus, if you start to get contagious, when your Christianity becomes contagious and you start rubbing off on other folks, you start actually testifying them and telling you, this is what God did for me. You start actually evangelizing on your lunch break and at your school. Don't think that the devil's not going to take note. Because he's going to. Too many times, when the trouble comes, we don't want to keep doing what we said we were going to do. I said, Pastor, that I would do that before I knew it was hard. I said that before I knew it would inconvenience me. As if it was about us in the first place, as if we were the ones supplying the power. As if God asked us to do something without him being right there. First Thessalonians 5 and 24. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. The one that, yeah, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. The one that called you is faithful and he'll do it. The scripture says he gives us the will and the power to do. He gives us the want to and he gives us the the, the motion, the strength. Problems are no reason to stop. Trouble is no reason to quit. Adversity is no reason to back down. Rather... It is all the more reason to keep moving forward. Adversity and problems and trial and persecution and tribulation and opposition, they are reasons to keep moving forward. It's just like Glenda the Good Witch told Dorothy about the ruby slippers. Keep tight inside of them. Their magic must be very powerful or she wouldn't want them so badly. Guess what? Keep tight inside of your calling. Keep tight inside of what you're doing. It must be very powerful or the devil wouldn't want it so badly. It's a reason to keep going. If something is trying hard to stop me, then there must be something great about where I'm going. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, and the promise is greater than the problem. Give the Lord a mighty hand clap of praise. Stand with me this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Many of you I know, many of you I don't know. Some of you I know what you're going through. Some of you I have no idea. Some of you I've never met. Some of you might not know Jesus. First and foremost, what is more important than any, any, anything else... Is that you receive the Lord Jesus into your own life? God loves you so much, so much. God is for you, He is for you. You think God's picking on you. He's trying to get you out of what's killing you. God wants what's best for you. And you were created in his image. You were created for his glory. God wants you home. And I don't just mean when we die. Salvation is not just so we can go to heaven one day. Salvation is because Jesus came to give you life and life more abundantly. Everybody treats salvation simply like an escape plan. But God is calling you into relationship. My wife and I talk about this all the time. I think she said it at one of the ladies' meetings. If there, if there were no such thing as hell, I would still need salvation and I would still love Jesus and I would still want to walk with him. Hell cannot be the reason we get saved. We had somebody ask us one time. They said, well... They said, "If there wasn't, if there wasn't a hell, what would be the point in getting saved? Maybe that God, the Creator of the universe, is all good and made you and loves you and wants you." My kids love to be around Rose and me. They will leave where they are in the house and come where we are. They don't do that because of a thought that if we don't hang out with mom and dad, they'll send us to hell. They don't love us because of of a threat of punishment if they don't love us. They love us because we first loved them. My kids don't know this, but I have been tricking them ever since they were born. I have fooled them into believing that I am the greatest dad on the whole earth. I do all kinds of things to get them to believe this. So don't tell them. God is the greatest father in all the universe. And oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. If you have never been born again, you are lost and you are walking around in death. You are living every day in death. Death is not a thing that happens when your body quits. Life is not, a, uh, not the opposite of not being in the grave. Death is a state of being, and life is a state of being. There are people that are dead long before they die, and there are people alive long after they die. But my eternal life with Christ does not start when I leave this body. My eternal life with Christ starts at the moment I place faith in what he did on that cross. The moment I come to him and I say, God, I am wrong And you are right. I am a sinner. And you are all righteous and holy. And Jesus, I can't pay for my sin, but I know you love me and I know you died on the cross in my place. Jesus, you shed your blood for me. And Jesus, you got up from the dead. And you want to live in me. And I say, yes. I surrender my life to you. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and make me brand new. When you do that, he kicks out the old spirit and he comes to live in you and create a brand new spirit. And you are new. You are brand new. You are clean. You are righteous. You are holy. You are blameless. You are full of Jesus and you have eternal life. It will not end. It will not end. It's in there. If you've never done that, this is your moment. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, I'm going to invite you to come right now and I'm going to lead you in a prayer similar to what I just said as you place faith in Him. Would there be one here today that says, I want Jesus. I want to be forgiven of my sin and I want to live for Jesus. Would there be one? Step out of your seat right now And come and join me. Don't worry about what anybody thinks. Don't worry about anybody looking around. If you want to receive Jesus, step out from where you are. Come and stand right here. I'm going to pray with you as you receive him as Savior and Lord. Would there be even one in the house today? Even one. Those of you that are watching at home, you don't have to be here to receive Jesus. You can receive Jesus right where you stand, right where you sit, right where you drive, wherever you are and whatever's going on. Jesus loves you. And he got this word to you right now for this reason. So wherever you are and whatever you've done or haven't done, call out on him and tell him, God, I'm a sinner, but I know you love me. Tell him. I know you sent your son Jesus to die for me and I know he rose again. Come into my life and heart. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, send us a message and let us know that you prayed that prayer. We want to rejoice with you. Thanks again for listening to the River Audio Podcast. We hope that these weekly sermons are an encouragement to your life. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week online at theriverworshipcenter.org and on Facebook and Instagram at the River.